he asked me, why are you building empires for others? <laughs> Build for Krishna. Build for Krishna's children. So that was a, a kind of a calling for me. And it took less than a minute for me to say yes to him. Hello and welcome. This is Puneet Surana and you are listening to the Galata Podcast. Galata is a word from the Indian language Kannada that means the noise caused by a ruckus. This podcast is about starting up while we are still in college, testing ideas, creating a team, building something worthwhile and adding value to other people's lives. Join us as we discuss the thrill of earning your first buck. Tackling uncertainties, overcoming obstacles and delighting others. Most of all, the Galata podcast is about seeing, understanding and implementing so you can deliver on your audacious promise. Our guest today has over 25 years of work experience and has been associated in the past with leading multinationals like Philips, ABB, Webex Communications, which is now Cisco. He has been inducted in the Hall of Distinguished Alumni Leaders by NMIMS. He is an Eisenhower Fellow for Innovation and a graduate of the Advanced Management Program from Wharton Business School. He is a recipient of Mother Teresa Social Leadership Scholarship. His search for existential purpose in life made him quit a corporate career and join the Akshaya Patra Foundation, a not-for-profit organization with the vision, no child in India shall be deprived of education because of hunger, and a mission to feed 50 lakh children every day by 2025. Akshay Patra is the world's largest NGO-run school meal program, feeding over 18 lakh children every day in 53 locations across 13 states and one UT in India. This was pre-COVID, of course. Through COVID, they served over seven and a half crore meals. So boys and girls, please join me in welcoming the CEO of Akshaya Patra Foundation, Sridhar Venkat. Thank you, Pureh. Great meeting you. The usual first question I ask is, what were the conversations around dinner table when you were growing up? When I was growing up? Mm-hmm. You see, I came from a place, uh, if you know Nagpur, Nagpur is a second tier city, mm-hmm. but very vibrant place. So we, I, I came from a family which uh, we believed a lot on values. Of course, our dinner times were very fun because I'm the youngest at home. I have three siblings who are older than me. So great food, middle class family, and a lot of fun around dinner time. So. Conversations were uh, to do with food, friends, and uh, not so much about future. Mm-hmm. It is more about what is current than so much about future. Mm-hmm. Pleasant times. Yeah. And I, I have great memories of uh, these conversations. Mostly fun. We are a fun-loving family. We laugh a lot. So a lot of the dinners were fun, actually. The last kid is usually the most pampered and the spoiled one. Any instance do you remember right off the top of your head that you particularly enjoyed or that has stuck with you? 
I, I still remember uh, my sister used to come and uh, my sister is about 14 years older than me. So sometimes when she was there at home and uh, I finished an exam, she'll come and ask me, so how did your exam go? So suppose the paper said on five questions you're attempt four, I should have known they told me to do three. <laughs> okay. So there's a lot of white lies I've done <laughs> as a young boy. And, uh, but later I, uh, I learned good values from my mother, my friends. Did you have a non-negotiable value in your house? Honesty was something uh, which all of us, by and large, we will tell the truth. There's no, uh, normally we don't bluff. Yeah, that builds a really high trust family, yeah. to be honest. Was religion a part of your childhood in Nagpur? Yes. I came from a family of believers. Mm-hmm. Not particular faith as such. Hindu, you know, Hindus believe in varied forms yeah. of uh, Lord. But the later part of my life, when I was in my 20s, I took to Krishna consciousness. So then my life changed. But otherwise, I came from a family which is of, which celebrated all the festivals. I won't say very ritualistic, but religious. But later in my life, I, I took to Krishna consciousness. And uh, after me, my family members took to it. Hmm. What, what led you in your 20s to shift? Tunid, I used to go, I used to work in Mumbai. So I used to go to the ISKCON temple in uh, Juhu in Mumbai if you have been there. So one of my friends had taken me there to eat samosas actually. That's how my that connection. That was the lure. <laughs> uh, so that's how I, uh, my food connection of Nagpur and in, uh, same thing happened in Mumbai. Mm-hmm. And uh, this friend of mine introduced me to the famous samosas of the ISKCON Juhu temple. Mm-hmm. So we used to go there to eat samosas. And then I used to like uh, the kirtans which they used to have in the temple. And I started inquiring. They used to run a program called yoga for uh, yoga retreat. That's why it got connected. So I had a lot of questions as a youngster. And uh, a lot of answers came from uh, these monks with whom I interacted in Mumbai as well as in Bangalore. And I continued to go to the Bangalore's temple. Yeah, I, I heard you do it every day. You do that? No, I had you do it. Oh, I do that. Absolutely. And uh, I, I go to the temple every day. And marvelous uh, temple and great missionaries. Very much centered around worship of Krishna. The fascinating thing is youngsters asking questions and the heat of the debate or the conversation where things come up. What is the usual theme of your seeking back then? Were the questions from the angst of your job or were they were the base of questions that you had for a really long time in you? Were they were existence? I had questions like, is there one God or many gods? Then questions on existence of God. Though I had some form of faith, but uh, as a youngster, you, you have a lot of friends. Some of them are atheists. Some of them may be agnos. So it's very important that... so. When you are confronted with different kinds of uh, inputs, you tend to clarify. Then uh, questions like, uh, why good things happen to bad people <laughs> and why bad things happen to good people? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so these are some of the questions and I found that Krishna consciousness has got answers for all the questions one may have. 
For the matter, Gita has got answers for all the questions. So why do good things happen to bad people? <laughs> so, see, it is like, uh, suppose you have a bank balance of one crore rupees, mm-hmm. right? And every bad thing you do is a check of one lakh rupees as well. Hmm. You are paying off. Till you exhaust 100 checks, right? Uh, your check won't bounce. Once you have exhausted, exhausted, I'm just giving a unit of measurement for good and bad. Once you've exhausted that 100 checks of 1 lakh, then the check bounces, then you get into a problem, right? So every human being is born with an amount of happiness and amount of distress based on his previous karma. Mm-hmm. So Someone may say he's a dreaded gangster, but uh, he's leading a king's life because of some good karma he has done in the past. Till he exhausts that, what I call the check bouncing. Once the check bounces, then it becomes a cognizable offense, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that is one analogy. Another one is, uh, if you have seen good old days, you have tin boxes or granaries for rice, right? Mm-hmm. How you fill the rice, you say fill good rice, bad rice, good rice, bad rice, and you open it, it will come in the same form. You reap what you sow. So when you say why good things happen to bad people, he has come to this world with some good karma, but he has chosen to do bad things. So till that gets uh, exhausted, good things will happen to him. And when that once that gets exhausted, then the check bounces. Right. Then the downfall. Then the downfall starts. You never know, he may continue to be like that for the whole of lifetime or maybe some lifetimes. So it depends on what punya you have come to this world with, what pious activity. So every pious activity you have done is is, uh, akin to the bank account which you have. And every bad activity which you do is a check which you are issuing. Is the reverse true for why bad things happen to good people or there is more to it? Again, same. So knowingly or unknowingly, he would have done some bad karma in the past. So it comes in that form. Uh, reactions of karma you can't avoid. You cannot avoid. You can minimize it if you if you uh, minimize or or you can strengthen your ability to respond to them if you have taken the path of spirituality. Your ability to respond is much better if you have taken the path of spirituality. Yeah, I think that was a good hook or sort of direction for you to take in your 20s. Were there any other questions that was um, a major one that you had battled in your mind and got resolved with these monks? I wanted to join the Indian Navy because I want to serve the nation. Navy Commodore had told that, Sir, I don't want to die just like that, right? Because I felt a lot at the time for it. I even continued, I, I continued to feel. But when I met these bums, they told me something higher than what I had in mind when it comes to patriotism. See, today I'm an Indian. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow I may be Pakistani. Next life. Mm-hmm. Right? 
So to, today I may be fighting for India. Tomorrow I may fight against India. Right? So these monks gave me a lot of clarity in terms of concepts related to soul. Yeah. Now soul is not Hindu or Muslim or Christian or Jew. So what I started learning from these uh, monks and devotees of this from Bangalore is uh, your soul, you are not this body. Body is just a dress. Today you are wearing a coat, tomorrow you may wear a, wear a kurta, but Puneet remains the same. Yeah. Right? So that's something which was very, very eye-opening for me. An eye-opening for you. Absolutely, because I didn't know this. Though I came from a family which was religious, I didn't know the concept of soul so well. Okay? So, not that I am not patriotic now, I am patriotic but in the right sense. Even monks believe that birth in India is very special. Okay? So, it opened up my thinking. Uh, it gave me a lot of clarity in life. For example, things like there is no Indian blood or American blood. Blood is blood. <laughs> there is no Indian water, American water. Or there is no Indian oxygen, American oxygen. Or Indian oxygen, Pakistan oxygen, oxygen. So there are certain things which are which don't change. Soul is one of them. Yeah. Then another thing which I learned was very insightful. All living entities look for one thing in common. Whether you are an ant, whether you are an elephant, whether you are a horse, or a tiger, human being, demigod. All of us have one common search and that is search for happiness. I learned from these monks that every element, so for example, if I drink water, if I give you a glass of water, you kept a glass of water here, suppose I give you this and you, you drink this water and it doesn't quench your thirst, you say this is not water. If I give you a piece of sugar cube and it tastes bitter, you say, Srila, this is not uh, sugar cube. Right? You'll say, something wrong with it. So every element, like water or sugar, has an intrinsic property. Similarly, soul has an intrinsic property. It looks for two things. It looks for pressure, that is happiness. And second is, it wants to serve. And when it serves the Almighty, it is happy. And that's what everyone is looking for. That doesn't mean you need to leave uh, your uh, worldly things or worldly pursuits. You dotail them with, with the plan of God. Align them. Now, this is nothing to do with religion. So one may say, well, I am the Lord of what I survey. Uh, I am the king of this place. But if you go to that guy's home, his grandson will be sitting on his back and uh, making him uh, run like a horse. Mm -hmm. So he's a, the great guy serving the grandson. <laughs> yes. Someone may say, I am a bachelor or a spinster. 
he'll be serving his senses. Someone may say, like if you go to Japan, there are uh, many people who are bachelors and spinsters. They keep a dog. The dog will poop and he'll flee. So he's serving the dog. So service you cannot separate from a soul. This I learned from these monks. And when you serve the right person, the supreme person, or dotail your activities to serve the supreme person. By dovetail, you mean align the activities? Align. For example, let's take a not-for-profit like a Shepa. We feed children, right? These are God's children. Nothing to do with Hindu, Muslim, Christian and all that. These are God's children, right? So when you serve them, you are actually serving God. That is very important for you to be happy. Another thing is, as a young boy, I learned one more thing. That happiness moves in circles. Happiness moves in circles. circles. So I make you happy. You make someone else happy. He makes someone else happy. I come in the circle of happiness. Mm-hmm. And which each one of us is looking for. So there is, suppose you go to a class of 100, you did your MBA, right? Mm-hmm. You go to a class of 100 MBA students. You go as a uh, visiting faculty and ask them, guys, can you raise your hand? How many of you want to be unhappy? Nobody will raise their hand. Yeah. Because by nature, by God's creation, we are, we are designed to seek happiness. And there is a correlation between happiness and giving. Mm-hmm. This is another thing When you serve, when you give, you become happy. Now, whom you serve, also determines uh, the quality of happiness. The quality and the eternality of happiness. The eternality. Huh. Happiness has a shelf life. <laughs> you think happiness has a shelf life, but when you when you serve okay. the Creator, uh, you tend to progress towards being eternally happy. So even uh, seemingly whatever uh, unhappiness you may be going through or Seem they seem, instantly you'll be happy. So these are some of the things which I learned in my 20s. And they have been phenomenal in terms of giving clarity, in terms of uh, and many of these, if you look at Bhagavad Gita as a principle in a book, many of the principles can be used in management. You are a management student, right? Yeah. You know, focus on Effort. Don't look at the outcome. Don't look at the result. Right? Uh, is is actually total quality management. So when you focus on the process, outcome happens. Yeah, I think we'll get a TQM in a lot of depth in a bit. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So these are my formative years, and they really helped me in my career now. You remind me a lot of about the debates I have had with monks. And it's always fun, listeners, if you haven't, go to a monk that you connect with at a level, at a normal level, or you click with, like I say, and debate it out, whatever those questions are. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay if your language is uh, halka pulka or... That's uh, absolutely yeah, fine. That's absolutely fine, yeah. See, the spirit of inquiry is very important. Beautiful. Are you famous? 
Was this around the time where you picked up Bhagavad Gita and you don't? Yes, so I got introduced to Bhagavad Gita uh, in uh, 1995. That's a lot later. Yeah, 1995. I knew about a little bit of Bhagavad Gita, but you know, there were probably several hundreds of editions. You don't know which one to pick up. Formally, uh, I got connected about 25 years back, where I started reading Bhagavad Gita as it is, which is written by Swami Srila Prabhupada, who was the founder of his comics. And he has had a tremendous influence on my life. Tremendous. Talk to me about the first interaction you had with him. No. So, he passed away in 1970. I have never met him. So, uh, he's my spiritual master. So, when I say he has had tremendous influence on me, his writings and his teachings and his videos have had a great, very, very pragmatic, very practical and uh, he made philosophy simple, a very uh, exalted philosophy, very simple. So, if if you see Krishna consciousness as a movement, it attracts a lot of youngsters. Because the philosophy has made it very, so it's very vibrant philosophy, uh, very active. It is not about, you know, you are getting to some mart where you don't do anything. So it's very engaging kind of philosophy. Uh, It dovetails a person's talent. You can be a painter, you can be an actor, you can be a podcaster. Uh, You can, you can uh, engage yourself in service of art. It's an action first. Philosophy. Yeah, so Prabhupada used to say bhakti is devotional service and you serve with devotion. In your 20s, did you start contributing in this manner or was it much later in your life? Contributing in the sense, uh, you see, I used to help the ISKCON Mumbai people to arrange sessions in uh, corporates on Gita. Then when I came to Bangalore, after a short stint in Delhi, when I came to Bangalore, I used to volunteer with ISKCON Bangalore. My association with ISKCON Bangalore is in the longest. So, 97, 97, yeah, well, yeah, around 98, 98 till now, is the last 23 years. And Akshayapada was born in ISKCON Bangalore, though it's a secular trust. Independently registered separate books of poems. The birth of Akshayapatra uh, happened in Iskand Bangalore. If you ever think of visiting Bangalore, add that up in your list. It's <laughs> <This laughs> a beautiful tour. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you appreciate. Another thing, other thing that really attracted me, Puneet, was what makes these young youngsters from IITs and IIMs, from good institutes, National Institute of Technology, good backgrounds, take to spirituality at such a young age, there must be something which ISKCON must be offering. So if you go to the ISKCON ballot, you will see a lot of youngsters, good background. So this is another thing which uh, uh, really uh, made me curious to understand what is it? Like they have everything from afar. What is it making, what is the thing which is making youngsters to take to this philosophy? Today's world, Youngsters are going away from uh, spirituality or religion and all that. 
So I think Swami Shilakarupa's teachings and his ability to give very convincing answers, amazing. But I would recommend you to read some of his books. Very practical. Which one would you recommend our listeners first? I would recommend a book called uh, Perfect Questions, Perfect Answers if you're a beginner. Mm -hmm. And uh, then a little later I would recommend a book called Science of Self-Realization. And this is an essay format. You can pick up any page and read. Amazing. Amazing. It's life-changing. Links will be in the show description. Life-changing. Yeah, I have personally seen lives of many, many people changing and uh, they're leading a happy life. They have got clarity. Not that they don't have problems. They have problems, but their ability to handle their problems has tremendously changed or improved to good. What's the thing youngsters like that lack? They have the degrees, they have the access, they have the, um, they have, from afar, they have almost everything perfect. What do you think is missing in them that that pulls them towards spirituality like this. When a doctor prescribes you a bottle of medicine, there is a dosage given. And you follow the dosage, you get cured. Now, suppose you say, I won't follow the doctor, I'll finish the whole bottle in one go. Hmm. Right? You may have adverse effect on the medicine. Similarly, this creator, the creator who has created this world has given certain do's and don'ts and one of the codes is Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. Right? When, when, uh, when the person or a student aligns himself as much as possible to the codes, he is happy. Okay? Now coming back to your question, so today's youngsters, many of them lack direction. They think that making money will give me happiness. A great relationship will give me happiness. You know, we spoke about soul sometime back. Right? One of the qualities soul looks for is permanency. So that is when you go to a shop and then you ask, how much warranty you have for this product? You want long shelf life, right? You want long life. If it is for life, you'll buy it. So, so in one sense, they are lost in terms of direction. Some of them who have direction think that they are in the right direction. Okay. For example, goals which a youngster today may have. I want to become the richest. I should own a Lamborghini by 30 or 25. I don't want to call anybody sir by the age of 30. You don't want? To call anyone yeah, sir gotcha. by the age of 30. So, nothing wrong in having these goals. Nothing wrong. I'm not demeaning them. But what happens is, unless all these are backed with spiritual foundation, you will go mad. Because if you think money, everyone is looking for happiness, whether you are in spirituality or not in spirituality. Right? So, when you are pursuing something, let's say money, okay? You get money, you get more money, you get more money. You reach a position, many rich. See, if, if money was to give happiness, the richest people in the world will be the most happiest. Yeah. That's the usual argument. Yeah. And their debts are brought yeah. up. 
Yeah, you know, I, I know how uh, I don't have data to show this to you, but I've heard this long back. You know, they interviewed about uh, some 25 billionaires in the US. Yeah. And they said, How does this feel? You're the top of the world, you know, made billions. I think about 16 of them said, We find it miserable when it comes to suicide. Mm. So, youngsters today, so let me give you another example. Suppose you have to cross this wall and I tell you, Puneet, you have this ladder, you can make your ladder. You will be given all the supplies. You can make your ladder. Everything is given. So, Puneet's intelligence will make him do the ladder. Okay. That is the intelligence quotient. Okay. The length of the ladder, depending on the height of the wall, steps between the ladder, right? It's all intelligence, right? That's how you make. The emotional quotient of Puneet will tell, I will cross this wall. Mm-hmm. Then there is a third quotient called the spiritual quotient, which many youngsters miss out on. And that will tell you, spiritual quotient will tell you, is this the wall I need to cross? Mm-hmm. And that is what spirituality does. So do you feel youngsters are lacking the spirituality quotient and See, it creates a vacuum? intrinsically spiritual. It's a question of discovery. Everybody is spiritual yeah. because everybody is spirit soul. Each one of us is spiritual. It's a question of discovery. We have got into a trap of thinking temporary things as permanent. Mm. Thinking that my relationship with my girlfriend will be forever. Then when it breaks, then you are in problem. Thinking that my bank balance will be forever. And when you lose the money, you are crestfallen. Or you have a Lamborghini, someone else has got uh, maybe a private yacht. You feel jealous. You have a great car with you. You feel jealous. Right? We forget that the cup of coffee, whether you drink in a gold cup or whether you drink in a porcelain cup, actually the coffee tastes the same. Another thing which I learned Puneet is there are four fundamental problems of life which actually all of us are trying to find solution. Okay, one is birth, Second is death, third is old age, fourth is disease. Hmm. So anything you are doing, any, anyone who is trying to do is uh, trying, to, uh, trying to solve this problem. And spirituality gives you a solution how you can come out of these four problems. And each one of us want to solve problems, we want to be happy, right? Suppose somebody is in a prison house, let's say in Tihar Jai, okay? he is in, uh, in Hindi they say Kalko tree, right? It's all dark. From there he goes to a next level of prison, which is a better, slightly better prison. Then the next one, better one, next one. 
just said television and newspaper and all right. but he is still in the prison an intelligent person will think how to come out of tihar jail not to go from class d to class uh, a prison can you shed some more light on where you think the youngsters are stuck what you feel they are lacking so let me give you an analogy again i told this to interview a few days back but you did okay analogy yeah. who which interview is this we'll link it in the description if <laughs> Yeah. Sure. Thank Vijay Gautam. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Vijay, Vijay. Yes. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah. We two pee in a pod so you'll have similar. <laughs> yeah. But fortunately what I'm telling here is completely different than what I told him from a content perspective. So you can be happy about it. I think I think we're going on a spiritual track. Okay? We don't have boundaries, so Yes. Yeah. I I should appreciate. So you are on a famous road. you see a guy zipping in his two wheeler you stop the guy ask him hey where are you going he says i don't know you want to wait the guy is zipping in his two wheeler youngster where are you going he says i don't know then you ask a guy who's coming in a big bmw suited booted youngster <laughs> okay. Okay. He you stop him and ask him, sir, where are you going? He says, you see, when I travel on the road, I am on the left because I am an Indian. I don't bump into other vehicles. I don't abuse others. I lead a good uh, citizen's life. Right? But sir, where are you going? Hmm. He says, I don't know. Where did you come from? I don't know. What are you doing here? I don't know. So, many a time we fail to ask fundamental questions like, "Who am I? Where did I come from? Where I am going? What is all this happening around this world?" And sometimes we ridicule people who ask these questions, thinking that they are mad. Actually, they are very fundamental questions. If the guy who doesn't know is in one sense lost and foolish, yeah. Let me give another analogy. Which car you drive? I. Uh, um, I'm bad with car names, but I think it's Sancho. Sancho. Yeah. So if I tell you, you need to describe about yourself. Mm-hmm. So you say Hyundai 2021 model. Mm-hmm. Hyundai Sancho. I said no, Punit. I am asking about you. Not about your car. Then you say it has power steering. It has radial tires. No, no, Puneet. Tell me about you, not about your vehicle. Then you say it has sensors for parking. Puneet, tell me about yourself. The steel grey. so this is what happens with a young person actually we associate not only young any person who may not have a understanding of spirituality we associate everything with our body so the the car which you are driving is your body 
you, the driver, is the soul. Okay? So all big, big universities, where Prabhupada went to MIT, uh, he said that you have such a big research institution, such a big research institution, all researching on bodily concepts. What of the soul? You have forgotten the soul. And you are the soul, you are on this body, this body will go away. Say, I am 50, another 50 years will go away. Yeah. Say, for example, how old are you? I'm 25. You're 25. 26 years back, where were you? Yeah. Nobody knows. 75 years hence, where you'll be, nobody knows. So it's a 100 year period, right? Assume you live for. I want you to live for 100 plus years. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Suppose you live for 100 years. 100 years is actually 36,500 days. It's a very short duration. Right? How? Probably one third of it will be spent on sleeping. So 12,000 days gone. Yeah. Then your rituals, you know, uh, daily chores. Half of it will go. So you are left with 18,000 days. How to make it meaningful is extremely important. So youngster today, if he knows what is the purpose of life, without compromising on car and house and not that you need to be, you should not have all these, but there's a purpose for everything. So once you know that, so youngsters we are missing that. They are just going here or there. Of course, there are a lot of good things in today's youngsters. For example, they have giving nature. They want to help others. Okay? There's an expectation of return. Sometimes they don't get something in return. So they feel very bad, very low. So today's youngsters have tremendous potential. Provided they know what is the goal of life. Who, who are they? Where did they come from? Where are they going? What are the fundamental problems of life? How do I solve them permanently? What is eternal happiness? So once you know all this, your ability to see things more clearly, you get a lot of clarity. You know which wall to climb, as I gave you an example. And even if you are unhappy because of circumstances, you know how to come out of it. So, running is not bad. Running after what is very important. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, let me give another example. <clears throat> You ask a youngster, what's your goal? He says, boss, four cars I want, uh, big house, few houses. Okay. Suppose I put you, put that youngster on an island. Hmm. It has got best of the foreign cars at the youngster's disposal. Okay. Beautiful house. Food, what you want, that kind of food is available. Yeah. But you are alone. Hmm. 
So what happens is after some time because soul requires relational pressure, right? You, it wants to relate. This is a man is called social animal. So when you use all this spirituality principles in work as much as possible or when you use it in management mm-hmm. or when you use it in your day-to-day life as much as possible you will be more content uh, you will be I would say relatively more happier yeah. which everybody is looking for reminds me of what uh, Subrata Bhakti had said it's very easy to be successful but it's really hard to be meaningful yeah. I think I think with youngsters, they are laser focused on success. But what I personally feel is I would be lacking meaning. And that meaning comes from spirituality. or Yeah. yeah. And this has nothing to do with religion, uh, yeah. Puneet. You know, uh, all religions are great. They all teach love of God. So youngsters, if they pick up few important lessons from spirituality and apply it in their lives, I think with the potential which they have, they can do wonders. Can you tell me two or three lessons that you've held on to and have been applying since you've been exposed to Krishna consciousness? Could be spiritual lessons that you've brought in in your daily practice as a 20-year-old, 30-year-old, but two or three ones that you've stuck on to for a really long time. Let me share uh, my, uh, let's say, I'm here for the last 15 years in Akshay Patra. So, my nearest memory I can share, right? I have tried to be honest. Okay. So, if you, can, you can read here. If you see here, I try to try to follow these principles actually. I learned this, this are teachings of Swami Shri Prabhupada. So I try to learn, try to see if I can implement these. Uh, and uh, this quote, what you're saying here, has come to my rescue whenever I've gone through tough situations. You know what? You should read it for my listeners. Please. So I'll read for the listeners here. So six things are required for advancing in Krishna consciousness. The first thing is enthusiasm. I'm patient, I'm with conviction, firm conviction, following the rules and regulations, chalked out plans, and satovrite, dealing very straightforward. No diplomacy, no politics, no duplicity, that will not help. Satovrite, vrite, his profession should be very straightforward, no underhand dealings, and in association of devotees. Six things enthusiasm, patience, firm conviction. Following rules and regulations, dealing straightforward, no duplicity, and in association of devotees. If you can keep these six principles always in front, then your progress in Krishna consciousness is sure. There is no doubt about it. Los Angeles letter dated August 2, 1970 by Swami Shri Prabhupada. So I read this uh, whenever I come to office, Muni, and this quote of Prabhupada has had a tremendous influence on my life. Tremendous, I would say. If any teaching of my spiritual master has had an impact, this this quote has had a tremendous impact. I can feel the shifting of voice. (laughs) Talk to me about being honest and how 
how you have attempted to make it a pillar in your last 15 years by dishonesty you can get short term success okay but if you are looking for sustainable success if you are looking for long term if you want to leave a legacy behind for example after i leave this world what people would talk about me is a legacy which you leave behind right what's your tombstone statement it is a simple honest sincere guy attempting to be devotee of krishna so when i talk, talk of honesty sticking to so there were many instances where i could have been dishonest sometimes honesty can lead you into problems yeah that's the usual fear people have yeah, yeah. being straightforward uh, so sometimes people also misunderstand diplomacy actually being dishonest i would say diplomacy with an intent of being honest is not bad you can be diplomatic like for example sometimes courteousness goes with diplomacy right for being straightforward you don't have to be discourteous okay so holding on so coming back to the honesty thing see one thing which struck a chord with me was this famous statement ideas create and values protect this is a famous tagline of infosys see, the whole thing here is one may read lot of books lot of spiritual stuff okay i think it finally boils down to application so simple few principles if you can apply i think it it has a it has a phenomenal impact i have tried to follow this these instructions of uh, as much as possible and that has really given me uh, it, it a booster dose booster dose yeah so in the sense you can really steer clear on on many fronts with this you can cover any problem with this you you try to see core of a problem one of the thing you would not have followed another which i learned was if you look at communication effectiveness 85% of communication effectiveness is how you speak and 15% is what you speak this is something which really struck me so you can be honest you can be straightforward without being disrespectful you don't have to be aggressive you can be assertively honest many a times people who are honest they tend to be aggressive they tend to be dominating thinking that oh, i am honest just smaller everybody you need to be pragmatic practical pragmatic so honesty sometimes people misconstrue also yeah the the general norm is you can't be honest and run a business in the market and when you say assertively honest can you give an analogy or an instance so the listeners get an idea that you can build something meaningful with honesty as a firm footed principle 
this was not during my akshepatra career earlier part of my life uh, i was a sales guy and uh, one of the donors told me instead of 100 you bill 110 bill now okay. bill 110 uh and give that extra to me in the form of a uh, consultancy with this one or a fee or you know uh, which is which is not correct and uh, i said i can't do this with a kickback for donation not the, not donation the kickback oh, for a sale okay okay not in akshay patra this kickback for a sale so basically you overcharge and find a way to get that extra money out that means you will get paid 110 okay and 10 goes back to the person who is going giving you the order okay so i said i can't do this and uh, he said uh, no problem i can understand now your principle i you give at least a consulting kind of a fee to me we'll do some consulting work i said no sir i can't do that you know you're consulting and uh, this billing has no correlation yeah he said okay sir at least find a way that at least 5 lakh rupees comes you know is not so so sorry sir i can't do this i'm willing to lose this case and it was a big big case for a sales guy big one and believe to lose but i won't do this you won't believe mm-hmm. i bought away with the order ah. so many a time you see when all this honesty dishonesty all these things come when you first cross the line if you decide not to cross the line and remain steadfast on that i won't cross this line i'll be honest be good and honest then the other person even though he may be dishonest or may not be a values based person many a times he or she recognizes in hindi yahan daal dalne wali nahi hai now i got the order it's a big order big is really big for a sales guy respect yeah so yeah. what happens is in fact that person called me up after that he said i admire that you didn't budge to what i said he spoke to me later in something like honest do you think there's a huge learning curve or courage curve up front and once you cross it it becomes much more easier to stay honest yeah you see one thing sometimes people fall on this trap being honest sometimes can lead also to arrogance okay sometimes people think people misunderstand between courage and arrogance hmm. 
Are you saying courage and overconfidence? Yeah. I am on a straightforward, so I will not respect the other person. Or inadvertently, you do that actually. Okay. Respect should be at the core of any transaction. If you do not respect the other person, whomsoever he or she may be, the transaction may not be long-lasting or will not be effective. Respect is a really gentle word. What are you attempting to communicate? But I'm saying, uh, for example, the way I deal with my, let's take a, let's take a manager in a company. The way he would deal with the CEO of the company and the way he would deal with Chokidar of a company, both should be respectful and equally respectful. So the way you make the other person feel is extremely important. And every person, whether it is a CEO or a Chokidar, Wants to feel wanted, wants to be respected, wants to be given space. So if you smother the other person, being on the level of being powerful, this doesn't mean you should not be assertive. This doesn't mean that you should not ask for performance, you should not ask for KRAs or goals. No, those things should be there. But the way we communicate, the way we make the other person feel comfortable is very important. Another thing is one needs to be fair. And I think fair, how you would like you to be treated by others, the same way you should treat others. Would you like your colleague to be biased towards you or boss to be biased towards you? No, right? right. Then you should not be biased. When we expect the world to act in a particular manner with us, we need to act in that manner. These are very simple things, but once implemented, it also has a bearing on results. How do you implement it, especially for small entrepreneurs who are probably hiring first time or have a really small team? How they could be assertive at the same time respectful. Do you have any strategies or hacks <laughs> to navigate this? You see, whether you are a small entrepreneur or a large entrepreneur, respect should flow throughout. If you, after you become big, you become disrespectful, then it doesn't make sense. So, I think one needs to take time to decide on the values which he or she wants to follow. Once these are framed, follow them for life. So coming back to the small entrepreneur, large entrepreneur, know that, see any small entrepreneur, any entrepreneur wants to, suppose he's a millionaire, wants to become a billionaire. He's a billionaire, wants to become a trillionaire. Right? So everybody wants to grow. Growth cannot happen without people and without motivated people, without inspired people, without people who feel wanted by the entrepreneur, 
his or her business will not grow. Or even if it grows, it will be short term. Or he will be fraught with risk. Because a lot of anxiety is an entrepreneur. And the entrepreneur, whether he is small or big, whether he is small entrepreneur, if you are talking about since you are small entrepreneur, you want to create a good culture, right? Good culture is important for good business. Suppose you go to a restaurant, it serves very good masala dosa. And the waiter comes and bangs the masala dosa. Okay? And very abusive in talking or disrespectful. You would like to leave the place, even though the masala dosa may be fantastic in that place. So, how you deal with people is, is I think people are the core of any enterprise. Not machines. Yeah. So if as much as possible you are respectful to people, uh, you show them the larger picture, I think results will come. If not now, later it will come. Because there's nothing like an inspired employee. Yeah. How do you get someone to that level? How do you course correct them as well to that level? See, the first and foremost, the Puneet is the leader needs to walk the talk. It's very easy to talk about these things. If they don't practice, people are observing the leader. So if they see that he doesn't walk the talk, then you have lost the battle. So first and foremost, practice what you preach. Before you preach, practice. This is the first thing. Second is, it's human to err. People will make mistakes. How you correct them yeah. without making them feel miserable is very, very important. So, I use a sandwich principle. Uh, okay. So, you start with good things about the person. And tell where he has bungled up. Yeah, in the middle. Okay. Middle. What is the issue which we are discussing with? And end it with a good note. Mm. Hey, you can do it. But don't you think people already are have caught up to this principle and they know if if the even then even then this works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have been practicing this for ages. It works very well. <laughs> And everybody knows the Sridhar does like this. They, they pick up what they they pick up the middle part correctly. Okay. Some may improve, some may not improve, but see, you need to give time for people to improve, right? We are dealing with it's not like mobile phone, right? Where you program it. You're dealing with human beings, the most complex program. So this is how you attempt to be assertive, the sandwich way of serving feedback or Yes, and, and clarity of communication in the sense uh, what you communicate has to be very clear. As much as clarity of communication is very important. And clarity of communication also brings a level of assertiveness. Let's focus step back. How do you get to that clarity of thought? How do I get? Yeah, how do you get? Because unless you're clear, you'd not be able to communicate. So how do you get yourself? I don't know whether people can practice this, but it has worked well with me. I am not a micromanager. I am not a details person. 
though it is said that a leader has to be details as well. I am more of a macro level person. I believe that there are people in this office or in this world who are much, much better than me in many areas. Okay. So I tried, so I identify areas where I am not good at. There are many areas like that. And try to get people with those core competencies in the, in the system. So when you talk of communication and candidate communication, if you keep things simple, your candidate communication becomes better. Number one. Second, you need to keep politics out of the office as much as possible. Human beings will have politics, but a leader should not foster politics. Your communication becomes complicated when politics comes in. Third is, irrespective of the level a person is, uh, the employees, he or she should have access to the top man's office. The more barriers, more complicated the communication is. Fourth is, if you create a culture of fearlessness, if people can, you can just go and ask, you can stop uh, the CEO, you can say that hey, you're wrong here. Okay. Uh, you, you can question the CEO, you can question uh, the leader, you can question the HOE, you can question the status quo. That kind of culture should be fostered. If that is fostered, then your communication becomes more effective. Otherwise, it's a, because, see, suppose we are communicating, the more barriers you put in, you have to complicate, it gets complicated, right? And last, which I mentioned earlier, if Generally, there is respect mm -hmm. between two individuals or two groups of people. Communication will be clear. How do you how do you get clear though? Um, how do you simplify things? Because I'm sure by asking questions, oh. by asking questions, and by accepting that I don't understand this, or by even accepting that I don't understand the subject. I don't know, boss. I don't. Can you explain to me? It is not necessary that the CEO should know everything. In fact, you should go. In fact, I, I, I would say the biggest thing a leader should know is that he should know that he doesn't know. If you have read this book called Good to Great by Jim Collins, he talks of different levels of leadership, right? Level 1, level 2, level 3, level 4, and then level 5 is the highest level of leadership. And he says 1 in 10,000 leaders are Level 5 leaders. And he says these level 5 leaders have got all the qualities of the 1 to 4, but they have two qualities which are not present in level 1 to 4. He says the two qualities are humility and second is professional will. Professional will. Will, will, will to do things. You may be humble, but you should have the will to do things. Okay. So, I think one needs to progress in the direction of a level 5 leader. And uh, since you are asking about uh, clarity in communications, I think basic level of uh, humility, not put on, also gives very clear uh, communications. So, accepting as 
except in god i am i don't know this i don't have to know everything remember many things that i don't know and you don't have to know many a times micromanagement getting into too much of details complicates and vicious atmosphere and then what happens is you stifle other person's creativity and which today's youngsters don't like today's youngsters don't like micromanagement you suppose you have a young child at home he or she suppose 7 8 or 10 years old he or she won't like you micromanaging you leave me and i'll manage it hey, i remember my daughter when we used to leave her to the crash leave her to the crash okay crash crash a baby sitters home okay or a play home not okay. there's not a crash or play home uh, her mother will say i'll come and tie your lace <clears throat> she will say no i'll manage it 2 year old so from that day itself you want to be independent you don't depend on others one thing which i learned in all these years is you need to allow people to take charge of their decision making you don't take decisions for them you can advise you can enable but what what has worked well of course it works for different for different people in different organization what has worked well for me is genuinely empowering people number one second is there no negative mark for making mistakes if somebody is making a mistake means trying what we don't tolerate this office is breach of trust but that you mean being dishonest mainly uh, yeah to the extent of you know getting personally benefited cheating these are things we don't accept this is zero doubt on us first but otherwise a person has got a lot of freedom to do what he or she wants to do it's just what i try to do i don't know how much of that is effective but uh, that's what we try to do i i love the idea of having these values from krishna consciousness at the center of what you've been doing as if it's a tornado and the center of it is these values which is driving this yeah tornado of- because that also makes you remember that boss you are an insignificant person you are not some great shake what you have achieved today is purely purely because of god's mercy and grace krishna's grace one needs to keep reminding sometimes when i look back at our awards and all we got a lot of awards in akshapara i after some time i remember was all this has come because you are doing god's work not because you are you have done something great and of course the team is here we have a great team it surprises me that you don't micromanage but uh i went through a lot of documents of iso the previous day uh, when i was given a tour so the secret so... puneet here sorry to interrupt you please i do micromanage but i have people who have eye for details i don't have eye for details let me tell you but i have a lot of trustworthy people whom i can trust who have eye for details you need eye for details i don't have So I've surrounded me with people who are eye for details. 
So what you talk of ISO in this office or in your kitchens. Okay? So we have we have good team members who have I for details. So all my department heads, they have solid I for details. I don't have. So it complements actually. What are your strengths and how did you identify them? And how did you align your role? I think my role is of an enabler. My role is of connecting the dots. My role is to solve a problem. I want to be a problem solver. My role is to give a direction and vision. And my role is to onboard good talent which which will fit the culture of Akshapata. Because people are our biggest strengths. But let me also share with you, I've been very, very lucky. Because Akshapatra is God's organization, or it is doing God's work, we have been very lucky. Let me put it this way. Probably this experiment would have failed if we had done it outside. Without Krishna being in the center, and we are a secular organization. I'm using the word Krishna, I'm talking about God. Yavoha, Krishna, Allah, all are same. Okay? These are different names of the Supreme Law. So I think personally, if you ask me when I look back all these years of working here, I've been very, very lucky to have been blessed with a great team. All these years, fantastic team. And team which is exceptional qualities and uh, they all have come together and built Akshara. How do you say that it wouldn't have worked had it been in another format or if Krishna wouldn't have been in the center. Why do you, how do you come to that? Because to succeed, you need Krishna's hand. Without Krishna's hand, you will fail. And since you are doing his work, you will get an extra push. There are three things that are required for any action, right? Jnana, Kriya and Bala. And Krishna is an ocean of Jnana, Kriya and Bala. Then you find Kriya for me? Action. Kriya is action. action. Okay. Bala is strength. Jnana is knowledge. And Kriya is doing so, when you do your, uh, when you do the, you, you would have heard the famous Ramayana story, right? The bridge was being built, there was a squirrel, right? It will go to, to the seashore, it will be wet because it will have gone to the sea, come back. The whole body will be full of sand. It will go and uh, shed that sand on the bridge. And it caught the attention of Rama and got its blessings. It is said those three lines which you see on the squirrel's body mm -hmm. is the hand, uh, fingers of Rama actually. So we actually do squirrel's job. Bridge is being built by Rama. <laughs> There's an invisible hand that's being a catalyst for everything. Absolutely. And... Uh, Though the hand is invisible, I know it's Krishna's hand. Can you give an instance where like logically it was just not possible to make this something happen and... I'll give you one example. Yeah. You know any corporate has reserves, right? Reserves to sail through during a rainy day. Right? You mean cash reserves? Cash reserves. Akshay Patra for the first 12 years of his existence, 
till we reach the million meals served mark per day. We ran this program without any reserve, zero reserve. That means we will raise money, feed children, raise money, feed children. But you have one million children to feed every day. Even when we became the world's largest school meal program, nobody was feeding, no NGO was feeding million children at it. They were feeding the world's, when we were doing the world's largest school, even then we were not having any reserve. Then Mr. Ratan Tata came and gave us a reserve later in 2012. So, how oh, this is magic, no? If you have to feed 10 people at home, day after day after day after day, and feeding 10 lakh children every day. So, there's no ordinary feat. So when I look back, what's all like this? There are so many things which I can tell you. I have also seen toughest of situations uh, become simplified uh, when you do God's work. I've seen that much about. I'm waiting for an analogy because <laughs> we're on a beautiful streak here. I'll give you a real thing that happened last year, November 2020. We had uh, some disagreement between among the trustees, independent trustees of Akshay Patra or non-equivalent trustees of Akshay Patra, all of them left. We were left without trustees in an audit committee. Akshay Patra was known for good governance and some, some disagreements. And these trustees who left, they had done a great job for Akshay Patra. Some disagreements happened. Let's not get into that. But a large organization with that is the world's largest school meal program, not for profit, which is so large in India. We rebuilt the trustees board in just three weeks. We rebuilt audit committee in three weeks. If the same issue had happened in the outside world, the corporate can't get up. And eminent people came on board and we told them everything that happened. Honestly. So it's like that. So when I look back, it's purely because of we are doing God's work. We are with children. Father won't abandon the child. Or we have had cases when some employees left us and there were times when, uh, you know, I was struggling to build the team. I prayed, God, it's your organization, you have the same good people. Tuck, 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 I have seen great guys join. So let me put it this way. Prabhupada used to say that suppose you are wandering here and there, you don't know who your father is, and you come to know your billionaire son. So if you are a billionaire son, your problem of 100 rupee, 1000 rupee, 1 lakh rupee, everything is solved. Yeah. Right? And Krishna is a supreme billionaire. No this is such a beautiful needle mover wherein in no matter how uncertain situations get, you become resourceful because of this X factor. And in this case it's I give you an analogy, then you can I give you an analogy. Imagine a situation like this. If your home is close to a nuclear power plant, or if your home is close to a big power plant, 
right? And you have facility to tap into the power plant. You will never be out of power. Your home will always be lit. That power plant is Krishna. Even if you get plunged into darkness, you can be sure that light will come. Power will come. It's, it's beautiful how it strengthens a person, especially in the uncertain times. Oh yeah. And builds the belief of your organization. Absolutely. So one thing which we have ensured, uh, you know, Puneet and Akshay Patra is, while I may follow Krishna consciousness, we don't force it on others. So it's a very inclusive organization. We are people from all walks of life and we respect everybody. We are people from all faiths here. And we respect them. Yeah, yeah, I respect that. Yeah. It's hard for an organization that's re- rooted in a specific religion to be secular and so rare to Because see. Krishna consciousness is not religion. Because Krishna consciousness is not religion. It is not sectarian. God is God. Whether it is you are from one faith or another faith, some faith or other. God is God, right? It is like it's not, there is no Hindu son, Muslim son, Christian son. Sun is sun, moon is moon. Yeah. Right? One moon, one sun, like there is one God. I call him Krishna right. because there is the most apt name. Krishna means all attractive. Sanskrit meaning of Krishna means all attractive. One who attracts. Someone else may call him Allah. Someone else may call him Yavah. They are calling the same person. Yeah. And this is another thing that attracted me to Krishna consciousness. It is not sectarian. It doesn't divide people. And, uh, so there are a lot of people from other religions. In fact, if you see Prabhupada's disciples, most of them are Jews, most of them, many of them are Christians, Iranians, Russians, Chinese. Japanese, Buddhists, they all took to Krishna. Fascinating. What Prabhupada has done is amazing. No other Acharya has done. No one. Because you've studied him from a distance, right? You must be having this question, what is a needle more? I mean, what is the... What is he doing differently than the other Acharyas that you think Created. See, he is in complete alignment with other bona fide acharyas. When I am saying bona fide acharyas, acharyas like Ramanuja Acharya, Madhva Acharya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, many acharyas, they are bona fide acharyas. They come from the disciplic succession from Krishna. What Prabhupada did differently, if you ask me, is he made it practical, number one. He made it simple. And he took it to the West. What happens? Indians were aping the West. Aping? Aping. Trying to follow what okay. Westerners do. So he convinced the Westerners for Krishna conscious and brought them here and Indians became Krishna conscious. <laughs> Indians knew about Krishna but a lot of distorted things and all of that. So in the right, uh, right knowledge of Krishna, who is he? Who is Krishna? Another thing Prabhupada never adulterated 
what was spoken by Krishna. He didn't put his views, try to concoct something. That is the reason his book is called Bhagavad Gita as it is. What was spoken by Krishna as it is is written, which comes in disciplic succession. I call Prabhupada the visionary seed giving father of Akshapa. Visionary seed giving. I'll tell you what is visionary seed giving. There's a vision, right? There's a seed for the vision. Right? Today, Akshay Patra has spoken about in different forums. We are a Harvard Business School case study. Stanford Social Innovation has dissected Akshay Patra. MIT Technology Review has covered about us. Forbes, Time, Discovery, National Geographic. Okay? All big accolades Akshay Patra has gone. Several publications. But if you see the seed of this organization came from Prabhupada. It was in Mayapur, way back in 1970s, Prabhupada built a big Krishna temple near Kolkata. And uh, you know, when a big temple is built in India, feast is served. So feast was served on plankton leaf. And after a big feast, generally people tend to rest, right? So all of them are resting on Prabhupada resting. He heard cries of children. He opened his apartment window and saw children fighting with stray dogs, street children fighting with stray dogs for leftover scrap of food. Tears rolled down from his eyes and he said, today we have called a supreme father to this place. And wherever father is there, his children won't get hungry. And he gave a mandate in a 10 mile radius the centers which he builds, basically Krishna temples. No one should go hungry, especially children. This was the 1970s and he started a program for Food for Life. 2000, 30 years later, this bore fruit in the form of a secular foundation as a shepherd. So the visionary seed came from there actually. This is why I call him visionary seed giving father. Akshayapatra is built on compassion. Compassion of a very pure soul. So the foundation of Akshayapatra is extremely strong. Otherwise, how is it possible to handle 400 tons of food raw material every day, feed about 18 lakh children in 20,000 schools? And in six hours, you cook and consume. 18 lakh children consume the meal the pre-COVID time. In COVID time, Akshayapatra served 17 crore servings. So it's all miracle. Of course, the strength of Akshayapatra is confluence of missionary spirit and professionalism. Yeah. So there are 200 monks who are they have dedicated their life to Akshay Padra. And there are about 6,000 employees, many professionals. Who, so that, that blend is what makes Akshay Padra what it is today. This is a very unusual, may I say, organization structure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's a very, uh, very unique structure. I'm still trying to figure out what is. Uh, it is very, very unique. and. Uh, I think since we do 
God's work, we are successful. If you ask me. Any place you go, Shekhar is so recognized. We'll get to the monk part because I think it's really fascinating. Then let's dive into the professionalism part. When did the seeds of thinking like a corporate come into picture and why? Great question, by the way. Akshay Parva started in 2000. So we had uh, Mr. Desh Deshpande, who, who at the time was the chairman of Akshay Patra in the US. He said, you need to have professionals doing fundraising. Because you feed children every day, day after day, you need money, right? Every day you need money. And US was an evolved country when it comes to fundraising. So he said, we should set up a fundraising organization. So that's how I got into the picture. So I started as a executive director for strategy and development. I came in as a professional and we started slowly building the profession. And I gave a pitch to the chairman, Sri Madhupandit Prabhu, Madhupandit Dasa, who is from IIT Bombay, and the vice chairman, Sri Chanchala Prabhidasa, who is from Indian Institute of Science, and all the monks at the time, that your core strength is Krishna consciousness. Why don't you get people who are experts in fundraising, HR, project management, quality, who will strengthen your hands, Strengthen your core. While you apply your soul and spirit in this organization, you get assisted by people who are experts in the respective field, subject matter experts. And they bought this idea and we started building the teams. Why did they buy this idea? Because at the end, of the, day, uh, at the end of the day, monks would like to engage professionals to serve Krishna. Because hard to believe somebody coming from a monkhood, paying a professional to make sure things are done. No. In my head. Yeah, so the, the monks of Iskon are very different than the monks which we know. They're very practical, very smart. So for them, if I pay a professional, I'll give you an example. For every one rupee we invest in the professional organization in Akshay Prabha, it gives an output of 15 rupees. Okay? Does it not make sense to get a professional to get a leverage of 15 times? But I don't have anything else to compare it with. 1 is to 15 is, I understand, but what is the other model if not this? If not, then monks should have done fundraising, monks should have done project management, and monks are in short supply. Not everybody leaves his home, dedicate his or her life for service of Krishna. So, we have a layer in Akshay Patra who are like devotee professionals who follow Krishna consciousness but who are professionals, who are paid professionals. They form a layer which is between professionals and uh, uh, devotees actually. So that's another strength of Akshay Patra. So you have a layer which no understands the culture of monks and understands the culture of professionals. I get that. Um, you would need a fluid layer to make sure it's coherent. However, why did the monks buy into the idea of having corporate arm? What was, what is, was your pitch about? There, there is, there is uh, no, I'll tell you, it's not my pitch. I gave a pitch which monks knew. There is a concept called Yukta Vairagya. 
into vairagya is so one is vairagya is like uh, detaching yourself from everything yukta vairagya is where you can use matter you can use people you can use professionals you can use anything that is created for service of krishna so when i told them why don't we get professionals to expand this organization to grow this organization they bought into it immediately because this it aligns with the principles in prabhupad encouraged uh, no professional accountants so that way is a very unique uh, setup seemingly you may find a monk driving a car he is driving the car to serve krishna you may see him using a sony handycam but he is using the handycam to take pictures of krishna he may use a ipad for storing pictures of krishna or lectures or you know videos so if you use matter in service of krishna it becomes spiritual that is the concept so was that the way was that the reason why i didn't know that at the time <laughs> i just gave a pitch that i learned about all these things much later from all the senior devotees i respected on his team and chanchalapati prabhu but my pitch was you know you are doing such a great job you are good at your core you continue to do your core and get people to expand and strengthen your core so that your time is spent for building the core uh, organization and don't spend too much of time on hr quality project management fundraising there are good people outside get them and uh, they will take it forward so that's how this we built and krishna has been very very kind to me that he sent me great people how, how did you initially convince a professional to i'm curious to understand how hard it would have you know how was it made easier through recommendation or referral or you know, i was i was giving a talk to freshers or people who just joined akshay patra yesterday so i was telling them that again the same example which i gave you happiness so i told them purpose and happiness are very closely linked someone who has purpose in life is generally happy generally yeah. i told them akshay patra is a platform where you can get purpose of your life so if you are looking for purpose in life please join akshay patra and another thing is i think there is no dearth of good people in this world the people out there looking for good organizations who will transform lives of children who are genuinely doing work to ensure that no child in india is deprived of education because of hunger that's our vision yeah. so youngsters you see the average age of this office is 30 people like me skew the age actually but uh, they are all working towards a single mission of how to ensure a hot nutritious safe meal to the child so they are they have seen the larger picture so a leader's job is to show the larger picture and connect the employee to the larger picture how did you do it initially with the first few professionals uh, so first few professionals were the the people who had who were associated with this com i picked them up who are professionals the ones who are visiting regularly to who are visiting regularly who have faith on krishna okay 
So that was the first one. Then once you get a room of people like them, then it is very easy because people look look up to people, right? So class A attracts class A, hmm. class B attracts class C, class C attracts class D. So once you get the core group of people, then it became uh, then you, after some time you get the flywheel effect. Can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. I don't know, all of this is, has been personal, but not in this way, but why did you leave a really high paying job and decide to join the monks? Because I think you have been really early in Akshay Patra as well. Yeah, so I was one of those initial crossovers from corporates to not-for-profit. It so happened that um, I'm a very, I was a very ambitious guy. Okay. Every two years, I need to get a promotion. Uh, if I don't get... I will get unsettled. I used to get unsettled. Unsettled is not the place. In this pursuit, I grew in life. Then I got an opportunity to work abroad. I went for a pre-employment visit abroad. So, somehow I money was there, uh, good position. But I didn't like that place. And I had known Madhu Pandit Prabhu before. I used to go to this con very regularly because of my earlier association. So, I, I was on a I went on a pre-employment visit, then I was on a job transition. I wanted to come back to India to take one. No, the earlier the guys asked me to go to China and then to US actually. They said, come to China uh, and then uh, after that one year you can go to US. So I was, I had come here, <clears throat> somehow I didn't like and uh, I got another opportunity in India to lead another organization. I was staying at the guest house of ISKCON. Madhu Pandit Prabhu, who was the chairman of Akshay Patra and president of this from Bangalore, who knew me very well, knew my family as well. He said, uh, she said, why don't you come to my office? He sent a word. I went to his office. We had a good conversation. We had a conversation. What are you doing? I told him all those things. Then he asked me, why are you building empires for others? <laughs> Build for Krishna. Build for Krishna's children. So that was a... a Kind of a calling for me, and it took less than a minute for me to say yes to him. And from there, this is my 2006 January I joined, so it's about 15 and a half years now. Build an empire for Krishna. I don't know whether I've built an empire, but I'm trying to do Squirrel's job in building the empire, in building the bridge. Okay, I mean, an amazing team. I think God has been very kind. It has been an immensely satisfying journey. Right? When you when you see children, the life being transformed because of a good meal, I think there is no happiness more than seeing a happy child. Where were you first when you saw the impact of a single meal? You see, when we reached the first million meals of mark. Shepatra reached this million meals of mark in 2009. Right? Our plan was reached by 2010. We reached it in 2009. I was very curious to know the impact of a meal on a child. So I called, so I had a good team which found out. So we started five schools in the year 2000 in Shepatra. So this boy was from uh, the first school of Akshaya and he was our beneficiary and uh, 
Just to cut the story short, he came to my office. No, make it long. We have okay. the time. Please, feel free. You can come up. So I wanted to know what is the impact of a program like Akshay Patra. I met this uh, boy. He came to my office. He was a grown-up guy at the time. And he came with a white envelope. I still very clearly remember. It was a white envelope. Tall chap. And um, he uh, met me and I had a good conversation with him. I told him, Hey, tell me about yourself. So he said, uh, Sir, I was son of a security guard, temporary security guard. My uh, father was earning, I think at the time, about 2000 or 2500 rupees. And uh, six of us at home, four siblings. I asked him, How was your academic performance? So he said, uh, most of it, I used to faint in class and barely used to manage 40% marks. So he asked him, what happened after Akshay Parker program came to your school? And he said, uh, sir, I was able to, I stopped fainting in the class. I was able to eat well, I was able to study well, play well. 40 became 60 the next year, 60 became 80. And in 10th, I scored 92% marks. You people gave me a scholarship of 5,000 rupees to study 11th and 12th. With that, I did BTEC in computer science. In 12th, I scored 97 in PCM. Went on to do BTEC in computer science and got first class with distinction. Was selected by one of the top multinational software firms. This is an offer letter, sir. Some 35,000 rupees starting pay is about 15 times more than what my father was drawing. Today, my father no more works. I take care of my siblings and the oldest, young, eldest at home, so I take care of them. They're all studying now. That's the power of a meal I learned at that time. Yeah? So, this is a story which I tell wherever I go. So, this story moved my life. That day, I decided. Uh, no, it, it had a significant impact on my life. Very significant impact. So I said, boss, this is, that's the power of a meal. I used to take it for granted. Generally, all of us take it for granted. The interesting small things that I wanted to talk about in Akshay Patra. There are these micro innovations I noticed in Akshay Patra's visit. One was a curd-based stick-up. Hmm. Tell me more. You know, some years back, we, some years, I think around eight, 10 years back, we started Kaizens in Akshaybhata. So, Kaizens are small improvements. These are some of the, you know, forward-looking initiatives Akshaybhata took. So, basically to, so these ideas come from people who work on the ground and they implement it and they own it up. So, these things what you're telling uh, has come from those Kaizen Thunders. So, we do about 1000 Kaizen Thunders across the country every year. And there is a team which takes care of process excellence, uh, led by a Six Sigma black belt. He oversees all these uh, initiatives. So, this is one of them. Uh, oh, there must be more. So there will be many, there will be many like this. 
for example uh, in in vrindavan one uh, team leader team worker uh, in the from the kitchen came up with a idea of designing a nozzle which will consume less gas like this there are many and all these have come from people who work on the ground you know on the floor and for akshay patra for the scale of operations we do any amount of so for example if i say one paisa on the cost of meal of akshay patra it is food for 4000 children for one whole year without raising money so all this really help and it also makes the employee feel involved and motivated in in what they doing kaizen thunder can you tell me more about it because you seem to have structured it and systemized yeah, it yeah so kaizen kaizen's of course you know kaizen thunders is some terminology which we started by saying that among the improvements which you have one stands out like that you should do thousand every year every year every year thousand kaizen thunders are done much approximately 1000 plus small 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 improvements for example a very simple uh, if you go to our bellari uh, facility there are initiatives on the total uh, preventive maintenance they have taken many initiatives a lot of cases have been done one of them if you see is in this women workers when they work in the kitchen where to keep the bangles right so very simple uh, things they have done on a board a straight stick kind of a thing and then you well, workers have come up with it actually so the bangles won't get lost and you can identify very easily or when they take out a tool there's a card it says who has taken the uh, tool so you know where the tool is so they write it yeah, so this is there is a tag so the very small things you should visit our bellari kitchen to see this how did you communicate this and how do you bring these thunders back do you systemize it across the yes so we have we have institutionalized kaizen in akshaypatra so there is a vice chairman's trophy chairman's trophy okay and uh, for ideas to be really good now i'm also looking at creating an ideas factory at akshaypatra where it will be a cauldron of ideas and uh, from there any idea which gets implemented gets rewarded and recognized so i think it's a question of training that has been done and making employees feel that is your organization so we work on 3 c's and 1 r that's a thing which we work on 3 c's when i say this communication collaboration and co-creation they coming together and co-creating it another one is when i say are the center of that whole piece is relationship with collaboration it's unusual how you've taken not just kaizen from ja- the japanese way of manufacturing but the five s's and so many other systems <clears throat> from the west you've taken the corporate culture and the fundraising um fundraising approach that they have which is very professional and transparent and rooted into uh, the very indian krishna consciousness Whew, so it's like someone's gone shopping across the world for the best things possible and you know we didn't plan for all this it happened there's no big planning i would say it happened uh, i think i think there's a grand design in akshaypatra 
grand design what you're telling there's an eastern side western side spiritually as you said on shopping across the world it when i say grand it is by design this has happened which we have not planned you things just fell into place no there is a grand design which we have not made but it has happened it has been put in place there is divinity what i am saying yeah we haven't spoken about the monks um can we dive into monks yes absolutely excited i'm happy cuz <laughs> cuz this has been speaking for about a good 1 hour 15 minutes as of now um how do you structure the organization around monks akshay patra was initiated by um, the monks from iskon bangalore so the foundation years of akshay patra many of the activities of akshay patra were done by monks in fact that is if you read this book you should read this book uh, god's own kitchen by rashmi bansal which captures the fantastic service and commitment of monks in akshapur even today the operations and projects in different locations are headed by monks they have a set of professional team members under them but these monks are involved in operations projects government relations they are involved in pr government relationship so if you look at say we may have about 6000 plus people or 200 monks okay so around 3% of akshapatra is uh, monks actually. but they have played a very very important role and uh, monks also bring a great quality which i learned from them is never calling it quits their ability to withstand and uh, face pressure face criticism or pressure is a phenomenal thing so i think monks are if you ask me the soul of this organization are monks and they are very practical and they have done phenomenal job and continue to do it's hard to grasp the persistence of a monk let me tell you many of the innovations of akshay patra were initiated by monks for example the roti making machine which akshay patra uses the monks worked with a sardar in punjab and created this machine or if you see usage of steam for cooking large amount of rice this idea came from monks or the three tier model or gravity flow kitchen came from monks you mean the idea came from monks or idea 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 of course they also overseeing projects they implemented it so it's a very as you rightly said in the beginning of the conversation a very unique organization very unique and i think that's what makes it very interesting yeah because i had a stereotype in my mind entering the interaction thinking if monks are leading an organization it's a very strict rigid organization with very little flexibility no However, so what, what, what uh, the chairman vice chairman of don when they have hired people professionals like me on board they have given me a lot of freedom to work they don't in, uh, intervene on my day to day work there's a lot of trust that the chairman vice chairman have on me 
and uh, I have tried my best to live up to their expectations. Does the corporate way of doing things stop at you or does it go to the monks as well? Do they, in a silly way to ask, do they also have a 360 degree review? <laughs> <laughs> they may be having 360 degree review with Krishna. <laughs> Okay. So some things like research review, degree review is purely done with professionals. Uh, monks have their own evaluation. So I think they also have imbibed many uh, areas. That's the beauty of this organization. Monks have taken a lot of professional things from the outside world in the service of the God. Like embracing a process which is there in the corporate world uh, in Akshay Patra. Unless the monk is in favor of it, you can't. Right? For example, just to give an example, ERP. Dakshay there is an ERP running across all locations. So monks were in favor of it, so embraced it. Or Kaizens, as I told you, Six Sigma. What's been the hardest technology to convince the monks? I, th I feel the monks with whom I deal with, mm -hmm. um, they know more technology than I know. So, <laughs> so, see for monks, what they want to see is, is it making value? Is it, is it first of all, see monks are all that way frugal in thinking. They don't splurge money unnecessarily. So, if you splurge unnecessary money, they may not agree uh, with the idea, but uh, they will agree if they see that there is significant value addition to what they do and what Akshayapatra as a whole, then they embrace. So at least I haven't come across technology which has been hard to sell to a monk, provided we are able to showcase. And they, they are all risk-taking. They love initiative. So that's, the, that's why I'm saying they are very unique monks. You should sometime interact, have a podcast with our Chairman, I'm with a few, few months. Yeah. Doing my IKEA volunteering and doing. volunteering with IKEA? Yeah. And um, they've come down to our Toastmasters Club. Oh. So I interacted with a few of them. Very nice. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Very good. However, coming back, ERP is an expensive software, really hard to implement. How did you convince the monk that this is worthwhile? You see, even monks, um, if, if you look at the profile of the monks, on an average, these are engineers. Most of them. They, some, many of them would not have come from a background of having worked. Some of them have come from. But all of them embrace technology. So you see them using iPhones, iPads, good softwares for doing their service to Krishna better. So, if ERP improves their service to Krishna, they will embrace it. If ERP improves efficiency, improves decision making, database management, they will embrace it. I didn't find it a struggle to implement uh, ERP. Probably one challenge which I had was every monk is very independent in thinking. So, standardizing the ERP across because you will have one process that runs across, right? When you talk on ERP. So that took initially some time, but uh, 
I had a I had a very competent colleague who did that magic actually. Can you tell us more? So he, you see, monks appreciate if you work along with them and show value. So this guy went around in locations where uh, monks were heading, convinced them, brought them together, showed how this will help, and implemented it. So today, our ERP showcase in Microsoft Worldwide Conference. What was his pitch, though? What was the crux of? Um, the crux was how this will simplify what they're doing, how this will help in record keeping, database management, how this will help in standardizing processes, which are important for a large organization like Akshay Patra. And also, I think this guy also ensured people-to-people interaction. That's very important. Who is this? Let's give him a shout out. And that's His name is Vinay. Vinay. Okay. Vinay. Vinay. Vinay did a great job, actually. And uh, Vinay went on to become the director for operations for Akshay Patra for Five Kitchens. Then he also headed our for-profit initiative called Akshay Nidhi. So he did a great job. Big shout out to you, Vinay. Before the final question, where can listeners reach out to you? So, you see, I'm not there on social media. They can send me a mail. Okay. And I normally reply to all the mails. There's no mail which is pending with me. So, my mail ID is sridhar.venkar.akshayapadar.org and I'll be happy to answer the questions if I know them, if you know the answers. Okay. And uh, I like interacting with people. So, they won't have an issue of uh, no response. Yeah, the mail will be in the show description. Coming to the final question. What is the impact you seek to make in the next 50 years? On two fronts, I, I want to make, make impact. One is, I would like to see Akshay Patra as a truly world-class and yet sustainable organization. We want to create an Akshay Patra way of doing things. The way you have IBM way, there should be an Akshay Patra way of doing things. That means, and with employees at the core, people at the core, it means in a crowd you can identify an Akshay Patra employee by his behavior. And on, on the spiritual front, it's also on a professional front. Uh, on the spiritual front, uh, I would like to have at least 1,000 leaders taking to Krishna consciousness because I have been immensely benefited by it and I feel the biggest gift uh, you can give to someone is giving Krishna to the person. So these are the two goals I have for one professional and the spiritual. And I also would like to see the Akshay Patra CEO's position being occupied by a beneficiary. And one last one I would like to see is I don't know if Akshay Patra will last for 50 years. I wanted to close down and move on to do something else. We should not be a self-serving organization. Uh, take up something else, which is in al- alignment with uh, our ethos. I, I sincerely hope that it becomes uh, irrelevant. Very unusual kind of a thing to hear from a CEO. 
but this is what I want to do. So I would like, you know, I was speaking at the IAS training academy some years back. So one young IAS officer asked this question to me. You want to do this by 2020? What you want to do by 2040? So I told him, I want to close on a trip of The future is very bleak by 2040. <laughs> at least personally, maybe people may have a different view. What I'm trying to say is, in this altar, what we're doing, hunger should not be there in our country amongst children. That is personally my aspiration. And I hope the steps the government is taking and not for public shepherd is taking, I think we will win the war over hunger, hopefully. I'm very optimistic about it. The castles for that. <laughs> this has been such an unusual yet meaningful conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Puneet. And such a pleasure speaking to you. On that note, listeners, go and make some galata.